Welcome back to Lindy Line. If this is your first time here, please go back and start at episode one. Otherwise, you'll have no idea what you've missed or what's going on in the story. And then, once you've listened to episodes two, three, and four, come back for episode five, chapter twenty, left in pajamas. The king of the elves had already given orders, and under cover of the night. Every fairy, elf, pixie, nixie, water, and tree spirit were making their way into the midst of Birchwood. Using their stealth and a little of their magic, they moved through the sleeping Birchwood army unseen and unheard. Once amongst the encampment, using their stealth and a little of their magic, they began to remove the rivets from shields and weapons. Using their stealth and a little bit of their magic, they removed nuts and bolts from equipment and cases. Using their stealth and a little bit of their magic, they removed the stitching from clothes and uniforms hanging up to be worn, and from saddles and bags, and even from the tents themselves. And as the fairies, elves, and pixies and nixies quietly withdrew, some might say left, using their stealth and a little magic. A small section of Lindyline warriors moved back in, with a great deal of noise. Drummers drummed, pipers piped, and warriors banged their shields with their swords. And the warriors on horseback reared their mounts, so the animals neighed aloud and strong. The Birchwood army awoke to these loud sounds and jumped from under their blankets. Prince Harold yelled at his men to wake up as he struggled to dress in his fine uniform. His trousers fell apart after putting one leg in them. The arm of his shirt fell off before the rest of it collapsed in his grasp, and the only thing he found to cover himself with was a robe made from one single piece of material. His general was having the same problems. When the prince ran from his tent, he collided—some might say—crashed into a tree which had not been there earlier. Staggering around the tree, he slipped into a pool of water which seemed to have collected during the night. Other soldiers were having similar problems. General Smythe tried calling his troops together, but the soldiers could barely stand as they fell over themselves, each other, and into the trees, which really seemed to be moving. Many soldiers left their tents with only their pajamas on, as everything else was falling apart. Some fought as they tried to leave their tents, which fell about their ears. The knights grabbed saddles to put on the horses, and these began to fall to pieces. The seat sliding off the jockeys, the rigging D falling away from the skirt, and when the harnesses were tightened, they fell apart. Sometimes heavy stirrups or pommels landing on bare feet. When the armed, mounted, and dressed warriors of Lindyline surrounded the encampment, not one of the Birchwood soldiers could defend themselves. Prince Harold and General Smythe, both in their pajamas and robes, surrendered without a fight. I have to add. That some of the Birchwood troops did in fact escape, but only a very small number of them. The first battle was won by Lindyline, and not a drop of blood had been spilt. Chapter Twenty-One, a surprise helper. What's that noise? Said Michaelmas. It sounds like a chicken, said Tommy Stanhope. Chickens in the forest? Said Michaelmas. Preposterous! Some might say plain silly. They were riding slowly as the forest was growing dark, and the horses stepped with care. There was a thud, 
and before them in the poor light they could indeed make out a chicken. Chickens! In the forest! said Michaelmas again. And flying at dusk! The chicken ruffled its feathers, dusting itself in a small patch of snow and then flapped its wings. The two men watched it fly up and up through the branches of the trees after it had looked around. Well, I've never seen a chicken fly that high before, said Tommy, at least not that I can remember. This might sound very odd, said Michaelmas, as he studied, some might say looked at very hard, the young man. But did you recognise that bird? Well, yes and no, said Tommy. Yes, that's what I thought. You recognised it, but you didn't at the same time. Yeah, that, that describes it well. I don't know why I'd recognise it, though. We don't have hens like that at our home or at the barracks, said Stanhope. They both looked up. They could hear the chicken, but it sounded like it was getting further and further away. The sound blended with another. It seemed at first it was thunder, but it wasn't. A horse, said Tommy. Agreed, said Michaelmas. He turned his mount to face the direction the sound was coming from and reached behind himself. Michaelmas felt for his wooden staff and pulled it from the saddle roll. He muttered something under his breath and the head of his blackthorn walking stick sputtered and shone brightly in the darkness in front of him, as if it were a focused lantern. The cloaked and hooded rider came upon them and was startled by the bright light. They raised an arm to protect their eyes and pulled their mount up. Stanhope rode up to the rider with his sword drawn. When the rider lowered their arm, they immediately drew their own sword. The rider's reaction was so fast that Stanhope, already armed with his sword, found the rider's blade at his throat. Michaelmas smiled. Your Highness, Princess Riley, the old man said as he bowed on his horse and lowered his staff, the light from it dimming as he brought it down. I see your parents presented you with your sword. Princess Riley blinked, and as her eyes adjusted, she said, Michaelmas, I was hoping to catch up with you. I'm going to help you rescue my sister. Riley's breath was short. You're assuming, your highness, said Michaelmas, she needs rescuing. Stanhope was flustered. He had just put the sharp edge of a sword up in a threatening manner to the princess. Your Highness, I am so sorry, he said, sheathing, some would say, putting away his sword. I thought you were the enemy. If I were the enemy, said Princess Riley, we would not be talking at this point. Quite right, Your Highness, said Michaelmas. And please stop calling me Your Highness, said the Princess. Good idea, said Michaelmas. We don't know if there are any spies out here in the woods, and we don't want word getting to the enemy you are out relatively unprotected. I have you, Michaelmas, and Stanhope here, and besides, I can look after myself, said Princess Riley. I see, said Michaelmas. Do your mother and father know that you are here? I left a message with Glenda, Mummy's top adviser, my maid, Leah, and I wrote a note which I left in my parents' chamber. I see, said Michaelmas. Well, let's move. Tommy Stanhope was opening and closing his mouth. The young man looked first at the princess and then back at Michaelmas. But, but, er, uh, shouldn't we take her? Hi, uh, I mean, the prin- er, uh, uh, what shall I call you? He stuttered. Riley, plain and simple. Stanhope looked at Michaelmas and back at the princess and at Michaelmas again. Shouldn't we take 
Uh, Riley, Stanhope bowed to the princess, back to the castle, to the city. Why bother? We'll be wasting our time. Riley will only come back and find us as soon as she can. Am I right, Miss Riley? Yes, you are, Michaelmas, she said. Come along, Tommy. We need to find a place to camp soon. It's getting too dark to travel. Chapter 22 In which a witch appears as a chicken. What on earth is that noise? said the hunter, more to himself than anyone else. He was making supper for Princess Avery and himself. Well, it sounds like a chicken, said Avery, yawning. Your Highness, said the hunter, chickens do not live in the forest. They tend to get eaten rather quickly. There was a thud, and a chicken landed next to them. It squawked and chattered at them. And this chicken won't last long either if it keeps up making all this noise. It'll frighten away the unicorn family, said the hunter. You'll not hurt this poor little harmless hen, said the princess. Would you kindly ask it to shush then, please? Princess Avery walked towards the chicken as it clucked very quietly and bobbed its head. Come here, my sweet girl, said Avery. I won't hurt you, and nor will I let this scary man hurt you. Scary man, eh? said the hunter, smiling, turning to look at Avery. A flash of light lit the spot where the chicken had been standing. The hunter jumped back. He grabbed and loaded his bow with an arrow in one movement. Standing before the princess and the hunter was Mar Stanhope. The chicken was gone. Mar Stanhope stood tall and was pointing a small golden-coloured wand at the hunter. Who are you? said the hunter. Who are you? said Mar Stanhope. And I suggest you put that bow down before it goes off. Excuse me, said Princess Avery. We're trying to save the unicorn and Pegasus and their child, the Unisus. A Unisus? said the witch. But unicorns haven't been seen in Lindy Line for years. They don't live here. Neither does this one said the hunter. It's fleeing the Birchwood Kingdom, said the princess. Ma Stanhope raised her eyebrows at the hunter and waved the wand at him. King Boris and Prince Harold sent me to capture the unicorn and Pegasus. They want to use the powers of the horn and feathers of the creatures to invade the land of Lindyline. I saw they had a unisus. It's a family, if you will, said the hunter. You still have your bow pointing at me, said the witch. I would take it kindly if you'd lower it. She looked the hunter over. And once you've found them again, you'll do what with them? There is a lot of power in such creatures. I take it you convinced Princess Avery to come with you, as you are no longer pure of heart? That, that's right, said Avery, her voice brimming with excitement. He asked me to come so we could rescue them. But they are not captured. They are free, said Mar Stanhope. Avery looked confused. It was true that the unicorn family were free, but they were still being hunted, or so she had been told. The hunter had been sent to capture them? The hunter had not told her that. What if he was using her? The hunter lowered his bow and returned the arrow to its quiver on his back. Mars Stanhope looked at the princess. You look confused, Your Majesty. Is everything all right? I don't know any more, she replied. How do you know my name? Oh, I live in Lindy Line, and I've been to the castle once or twice at feast time, the witch smiled. I used to live in Lindy Line, said the hunter. I grew up in Wilhay. My plan was, with, as you said, the princess's help, to escort the unicorn family into the Mendips. Well, er, uh, and the hunter stopped talking. Well, what? said the witch. There's an old cabin there in the Mendips. 
I can't go back to Birchwood after this. I was going to live there, in the cabin, and make sure no one bothers a unicorn, Pegasus and Unisus, he said. Mars Stanhope smiled and put the wand away. That sounds like a fine plan. The unicorn and her family are not far from here, but bedded down. We might as well do the same. There was a caw, and a large raven landed next to the ponies. That's interesting, said Mars Stanhope. The raven cawed at the ponies a few times, and Mars Stanhope started to laugh. What's so funny? Oh, it appears the raven there is a friend of Michaelmas, she said. Addressing the raven, she added, Is that right? The bird hopped about and turned to face the witch and called at her. You see, he was asking the ponies there to delay you until he got here. Am I right? Jonesy called again. Oh, and my son is with him. Tommy's my young boy, he is, said Mars Stanhope to the blackbird. Mars Stanhope's my name. Now let's make some supper, she said to everyone. Chapter 23. The Chicken Shares Information. In the morning, the hunter was woken by a popping sound and the squawk of a hen. He just saw the chicken fly high up in amongst the trees when Avery awoke. What was that noise? said the princess. That was Mars Stanhope turning back into a chicken, said the hunter. The princess rubbed her eyes and went back to sleep, while the hunter began to cook up breakfast, wondering if he had ever seen a chicken fly that high before. The chicken landed with a thump and a squawk. Adele jumped to her hooves and stood between the chicken and her daughter Harp, her horn pointing directly at the bird. Achimus was already standing, moving towards the chicken. The hen smells odd, he said. It's not really a chicken, said Adele. What do you mean, mother? said Harp. The hen clucked and squawked, and if we knew chicken language like Achimus, Adele and Harp did, then we would have heard the chicken telling the family of creatures about King Boris and Prince Harold and explain a few things, like how the hunter originally sent to capture them was now saying he was trying to protect them. Ma Stanhope asked if she could turn into her normal human shape. When she stood before them on her own two legs, she put her arms wide apart and said others were also coming to protect them and she would like to help if she could. Ma Stanhope said that even if the hunter proved false... He had good feed and hay for them, and that she and Michaelmas would protect them from ever being hurt. She told the family where the hunter, Princess Avery, and the food was, turned back into a hen, and flew off. For a second time that morning, the chicken landed with a thump. Michaelmas, Princess, and Tommy were eating their breakfast. They looked hard at the chicken, and then Michaelmas began to laugh. Your mother's here, he said to Tommy. What? said Stanhope. A flash, and there stood Mars Stanhope. After the obligatory, some say necessary, hugs and the sharing of food, Mars Stanhope told Michaelmas and his fellow travellers all she knew. The food was finished and the travellers felt the warmth of it in their stomachs. They packed the camp down, so if someone came through there, it would look as if no one had been there at that spot at all. With everyone well fed, they headed for the edge of the forest and then the Mendips. Within a few short hours, Mars Stanhope with her son, Princess Riley and Michaelmas, should join up with Adele, Achimus and Harp, and Princess Avery and the Hunter. Chapter 24. Plan B. It was raining. The spies had ridden their horses hard, as had the other soldiers, in their pyjamas, riding bareback or on blankets because the saddles had fallen apart. They rode to report the news to King Boris. He was not going to be pleased. 
at all. King Boris's army was already on the move, travelling north. The army was already at halfway. The king and his officers were staying at the only inn in town called the Halfway House. They had commandeered, some would say, taken over the whole inn. It was now the king's temporary headquarters. Even the husband and wife who owned and lived at the inn were now sleeping in the stables. The officers and high-ranking soldiers had been billeted. Some would be staying in homes in the village. Other soldiers had put up tents where the barns and other outbuildings were otherwise taken. When the spies arrived, they went straight to the king, while the other soldiers were looked after by the other men. The spies, once before King Boris, bowed, wet, sore and cold. "'Your gracious majesty, King Boris,' said one. "'My liege,' said the other. "'What? Why are you wearing your pyjamas?' He began to laugh at the spies. The spies looked at each other. One told King Boris about their plan to set the wee folk against the king and queen of Lindyline. Boris smiled. The other told the king how it had failed. The king frowned. The one told Boris how his brother, Prince Harold, had his troops prepared and armed in the Birchwood Forest, on the Lindyline side, all ready to surround the Lindyline armies once they left the city. The king smiled again. "'But our army is lost, Your Majesty,' said the other. "'Lost?' How careless! Can we find it again? he said, frowning. No, my liege, what, what, when we say lost, we mean our troops have been stripped and the weapons fell apart, said the one. We lost the battle that wasn't even a battle, your majesty, said the other. Why are you in your pyjamas? What in the snake's tongue is going on? yelled the king. The one told him that some sort of magic had been worked and everything fell apart, except from what they had been sleeping in. The other said, And Prince Harold's army and, and the prince have been captured. The king thumped the table he was sitting at. Have you any good news for me without a but at the end of it? Yes, your majesty, said the one. The hunter has captured Princess Avery and is heading east through the forest to capture the unicorn and Pegasus. And? said the king. And, Your Majesty, said the other, if we could ask for maybe five of your soldiers, soldiers who have your absolute trust, we might be able to catch up with them and make sure the hunter has no problems getting for you the creatures you desire. The east side of the forest from here, said the king. Ah, I know what you could use which would get you there quickly. Eat, find some clothes for goodness sake and come back to me. The king smiled and called out, General Poe, get the carpets. Chapter 25. A Hasty Escape. The hunter was listening closely. The camp was all but packed up. It was just a matter of waiting for the others to join them. You asked me if I could sing, said Princess Avery. I did. The hunter frowned and listened more closely. The sound he thought he had heard had come from far off. Rain dripped from the leaves of the trees, not making it easier to hear the sounds of the forest. It had been a wet night, with a mixture of rain and snow. Jonesy was on the branches of a tree and shook his feathers out. He too was listening for something. Why? asked the princess. Why ask if I can sing? It seems a little odd to ask such a thing. Because the voice of one with a pure heart can draw a unicorn to it. Please be quiet. The hunter listened some more. Did you not hear that, your highness? 
There are a great many sounds in the forest I am not familiar with, said Princess Avery. I am not sure. Like a crash, but it sounded like a horse running, for just the shortest of moments, he said. I thought it was thunder, said the princess. Jonesy cawed. I wish I could understand that bird, the hunter said under his breath. Then to the princess he said, I think we should leave. Something has happened, I'm sure of it. We need to go. But we should wait for the others before we leave. That was the plan. At least wait for the Pegasus and Unicorn. I will sing, said the princess. No, don't. Listen carefully. Can you hear it? I hear nothing, said the princess. Exactly nothing. Not the sound of a bird, no squeak or squawk, no sound of animals, just silence. Nothing. We need to go. He threw the last of the gear on his pony and tied it down. Raven, if that is your name, could you please go and see if there is something we need to be worried about? And if your name is not Raven, could you still go and have a look, please? He added. Jonesy squawked and flew out of the cover of the trees and over Mink Brook, out and around a little, and then back into the trees a quarter of a mile further back. The hunter took an arrow from his quiver and notched it into his bow. He walked up to the princess and stepped in front of her, his back to her, so he faced the trees and the shadows between them. He looked around. Please, your highness, said the hunter, mount up. There was the sound of a crack about two hundred feet into the trees. Jonesy flew through the trees, screeching. The princess had just settled on her saddle. The hunter took the pony's head, pointed it toward the stream, and then hit Go Lucky on her rump and yelled, Go, Go Lucky! He sprang onto his own mount, using his legs. He pointed the dale after the princess and dug in his heels. Let's go, Happy, let's go! As he followed the princess out of the trees and along the bank of Mink Brook, the hunter turned in his saddle, bow pulled taut in his hands. Out of the trees, following them, flew eight people. Six of them were soldiers, two of them were spies. They were paired up and each pair rode a flying carpet. The hunter let an arrow fly. It struck one of the soldiers who fell from the carpet and hit the ground. The other carpet rider turned back for his comrade, someone would say friend, but the others did not stop in their chase. The hunter raced his Dale pony and caught up with the princess. He was now waving his bow in the air and shouting out, Friends, we're friends! He grabbed Avery's reins and pulled both his Dale and her dapple grey Welsh pony to a halt. He slid off his ride with one hand holding the reins, the other holding the bow high above his head. We're friends, you fools, we're friends! The remaining flying carpets surrounded the hunter and the princess. One came closer to the hunter, and the large man looked hard at him and said, Then why did you shoot one of my soldiers? Because I thought you were the enemy. I thought you were from Lindyline, said the hunter. Because I kidnapped the princess, you knucklehead. The captain of these men looked the hunter up and down, then turned and called out, Are you two all right? One of the soldiers was leaning over and checking the fallen soldier. She's okay, wind knocked out of her, but she was nicked by the arrow pretty good. But she'll be fine, he called. You're lucky, said the captain. Where were you running off to? I told you. I thought you were from Lindyline and wanted to draw you out of the woods. You would be easier to pick off then. I thought you were only a couple of soldiers on foot. You took us by surprise and I panicked. I'm not a soldier, only a hunter. And yet I see that you don't yet have what you're hunting either. And you call yourself a hunter. This is true. After you came crashing in on us, I doubt it will be any easier to capture the unicorn now, if possible at all, said the hunter. I see, said the captain. What do you have to say about the matter, your highness? 
Avery could think of nothing to say. She could not believe what she was hearing. The hunter had tricked everyone, even Mars Stanhope. Why hadn't she stayed with them? Something caught her eye. A large raven flew in a great circle over them, then glided down and flew in amongst the trees. And this is where episode five ends. So tune back in soon, same time, same place, and be ready for chapter 26 of Lindy Line. Bye.